Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Southern Spectre Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah, as with me, as always, is... Lexi. Lexi, how goes it? Not too bad. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So, we were just discussing off-air just a few seconds ago, but Lexi had a question for me, and I want to know what you guys think. We're (laughs) going to kind of do a poll about this, because apparently there's a little bit of a feud... Brewing between North and South Texas. It's not a little bit of a feud. It, it is a total feud. And it's really, I see it more West Texas versus South Texas, or probably okay, okay. all of Texas versus South Texas. So everybody, Northeast and West versus South. Pretty much. Okay. So, uh, all right. So you are in South Texas, correct? I'm in West Texas. Okay. You're in West Texas. Yes. All right, so is this like you other two regions are ganging up on South Texas, or is just South Texas just completely wrong about this? South Texas is completely wrong about this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it sounds like majority, you know, takes the favor here. So um, go ahead and ask the same question you asked me a while ago. Okay. I asked you, and I I described it to you. I said, what do you call this? I'm going to describe it to you, and you tell me the name. You have a flour tortilla. You put eggs in it bacon or sausage maybe cheese maybe peppers you roll it up and you eat it in the morning what is that called isaiah i said a breakfast burrito and you are correct (laughs) it is a breakfast burrito not a breakfast taco okay so see see guys the other everybody our south texas is actually saying this is called a breakfast taco not a breakfast burrito and they're Uh, wrong yeah I, from where I'm from, I don't think I've ever had a breakfast taco before. Um, but yeah, I, I've always referred to them as breakfast burritos. And you're right. And that is a <laughs> hill that I will die on. I Come at um, me. I don't care. It's a breakfast burrito. I definitely agree with you, uh, Lexi. I mean, it does. It does. It's a burrito. You know, you roll it up. It's, it's, you wrap it up. So, And it's um, a flour tortilla. Yeah, that's right. And, and that's that's another thing, flour tortilla and corn tortilla. So corn tortillas are are, are meant for uh, tacos. Yes. Okay. All right. Well. Glad we cleared that up. <laughs> so it, it, what what do you think? We'd like to know what, what your opinion is on this. If you have an idea or if you have an opinion on this, shoot us a message and we'd, we'd love to read them here. We would show. love to read them. At, your opinions may be wrong. I'm just going to throw <laughs> that out there, but give it to us. We want to know. Yes. Send in all opinions, right or wrong. Yep. All right. So once again, I'm digging into the Southern Dictionary here, and I'm going to talk about something. Um, it's it's kind of it's kind of weird here. Um, I've never partaken this whatsoever. Never had it, um, but it is a dish that is eaten here. In the South, nobody that I know of has ever eaten it. Uh, not that I go around holing everybody, but <laughs> we're, we're talking about poke. Now, when I say this, what I'm talking about is poke salad. Uh, oh, now, okay. Kind of, have you have you ever heard of poke salad? I've heard of it. I've never eaten it either, but I have heard of it. Okay, so uh, according to the Gardening Gun Southern Dictionary here, it says it is a herbaceous perennial plant found across the United States, except for the northern plains and mountain states, that prefers recently disturbed areas, grows to eight 
uh, grows to eight feet and produces purple berries whose crimson juice people formerly used both as a substitute for red ink and to enhance the color of pale wines. It has long been, been a traditional food in the Southern Appalachians, and for years, the Arkansas-based Allen's Canning Company canned it and sold it to the public as poke salad Oh, poke salad greens like sat, not salad, but S A L L E T. Uh, so yeah, poke salad greens. Um, but the funny thing about this, and I've always heard this, uh, this is basically, it's more described as a weed, uh, to be okay. honest with you. Uh, <laughs> but people eat this stuff, but the problem of it is it's very poisonous and it can oh. kill you. Yeah, it can well, kill why, you. Why do they eat it? It's <laughs> kind of dumb. Um, it says all parts of the plant are poisonous. Root, berry, leaf, and stem. Uh, there are at least four deadly toxins in poke, including, um, I'm going to screw these up, alkaloid. And it says an alkaloid, a resin, and a saponin, all of which sound like ingredients in Roundup. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> So, uh, so the most serious hazard apparently comes from a super toxic plant protein called lectin, which is also found in the world's deadliest plants, such as the castor bean and the prayer bead. Hadn't heard of those either. I haven't either. Uh, but it says plant lectins are the active ingredient in uh, ricin, the biochemical warfare warfare agent. I have so, heard of that. Yeah, there you go. Um, but yep. It doesn't stop people from eating it. Uh, there is even in Blanchard, Louisiana, there is an annual poke salad festival. And uh, hmm. it was, yeah, it was even made famous in a song by Tony Joe White uh, in 1969 in a song, his song called Poke Salad Annie. I've heard Elvis's version of it. Okay. Poke salad. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a pretty dangerous festival to attend. Um, yeah, I mean, what can I say? We have the Chitlin Strut, which is <laughs> Chitlins. Um, it, I actually grew up about five miles from where the Chitlin Strut is located. So, oh, well. um, yeah, even five miles away, hog intestine still seems to linger all that way. <laughs> oh, Especially yeah. Especially when you, when you boil them down enough, that's what happens. <laughs> well, Okay. Let's see here. You are correct. It even goes on to say that Tony Joe White's song was covered by Elvis Presley to Tom Jones to even Conan O'Brien. No uh, kidding. Yeah. Uh, but it does say that Tony Joe's version is untouchable as he actually grew up on the stuff. Or so that's what, what it reads here. Um, so it says, what's the deal? It says the young green shoots and leaves of pokeweed less than six inches long make delicious greens when boiled until tender in at least two changes of water. Avoid any red parts. The shoots taste similar to asparagus. The leaves are like spinach. Uh, and the writer uh, of this article, uh, who is Bill Heavey, goes on to say, I once fed my own mother both fresh poke and freshly picked wild asparagus she tasted and pronounced the poke markedly superior quote it has such a green taste she said she died later that day actually <laughs> oh, she's no. 86 <laughs> actually she's 86 and doing fine but she has since learned more about poke and vowed never to eat it again <laughs> well okay you know gotta try everything once i guess 
I, I reckon so. She's she's out there yellowing it up. So, um, but you know, it, it's it, it's funny because yeah, I've always heard that about poke salad, uh, and I heard you have to you have to cook it just right, otherwise it can be quite yeah. deadly. Um, well, see, so, that, I don't think I'd be willing to take that chance, and I definitely wouldn't be willing to take that chance on something that tastes like a cross between asparagus and spinach. I'm not going to risk my I, life over that. <laughs> Well, funny enough, I might actually enjoy it because I like spinach and asparagus. Uh, so, but the only way I'll eat asparagus, number one, it has to be fresh. Number two, yeah. uh, grill it or throw it in the air fryer, which is about the quickest and easiest way. Mm-hmm. Throw it in there with some olive oil. Uh, you wash it real good. Throw it in there with some olive oil, salt, pepper, maybe some garlic powder, and you're good to go. And that just is leave it stuff. in there until it starts to kind of. Uh, uh, I guess blanch or blacken up a little bit. It's really mm-hmm. good. Or some bacon wrapped asparagus. That's always good. Oh yeah, that's good. Yeah, I'm hungry. <laughs> and that would be probably keto friendly. Yeah, oh definitely. Definitely. And uh spinach, yeah. I, I have had a couple of cheat meals here and there, but I'm not mm-hmm. allowing myself to go too crazy uh, away with the cheat meals. Okay. Well so, I'm proud of you. Yeah. I ha- I have lost weight. I even um had a coworker earlier this week said oh my god you've lost weight and i said yes i have i don't know how much so (laughs) i can even tell some of my shirts are fitting a little bit differently these days pants are starting to fall off so i mean it's working it's just it just sucks it's just one of those processes that it's not the most fun so (laughs) cheers to you well thank you thank you appreciate it so today me and lexi actually have uh we decided that we were going to take our uh, like local stories from our area, ones that you haven't heard here on the show before, and we're going to collaborate them together and give you one magnificent episode. So, Lexi, I'm going to turn it over to you. Ladies first, what do you have first on your agenda there? Well, thank you. I appreciate it. The first one I wanted to go over is a place that I've wanted to visit for a really long time. Now, I've been to the city where it's located, a couple times, but for some reason, I've never visited this place. So it's another one on my bucket list. Um, the USS Lexington, a.k.a. the Lex, a.k.a. the Blue Ghost, is an aircraft carrier commissioned in 1943 and served the country for almost 50 years in various capacities. During World War II, the carrier participated in nearly every major operation in the Pacific Theater and spent a total of 21 months in combat. The ship's guns shot down 15 enemy planes planes destroyed over 300 enemy aircraft in the air and over 400 more on the ground. She was actually nicknamed the Blue Ghost by the Japanese as they had mistakenly reported her sunk no fewer than four times. After the war, she was decommissioned for several years before being reactivated in 1955, operating primarily with the 7th Fleet out of San Diego, California as an attack carrier and later an anti-submarine carrier until 1962, when she began her service as a Navy training vessel in Pensacola, Florida. She was eventually decommissioned again in 1991 and later became a resident of the Lone Star State when she was permanently moored in Corpus Christi, Texas, where she has served as a floating museum since 1992. The Lex is open for tours seven days a week if you're interested in exploring her various attractions, including 20 aircraft, a Pearl Harbor exhibit, a 3D theater, an escape room, a flight simulator, And last but not least, dozens of reported resident ghosts. 370 men died aboard... I know! 370 men died aboard the ship during its decades in service, 
and hundreds of spectral sightings have been reported by visitors and staff alike. Here are only a few of their stories. Many sensitive people have felt sick in certain areas of the USS Lexington, like the switch room. Apparently, spirits like to help. When painters took a short break, imagine their surprise upon returning to their job to see that their rather large project was completely painted for them. I wish that could happen when I decide to paint my house. I wouldn't mind having a ghost if I, you know, if they would paint my house. I'd be good with that. Yeah, why do we always get the lazy ghosts? Yeah, exactly. They're lazy. And acting deputy director. Can I get a ghost to come in? No, you're good. Can I get a ghost to come in here and edit this podcast for me? Do we have any ghosts in the area? Um, Add, put place an ad um, in the local paper. I need a ghost to come in here. That would be great. Like anybody out there, crickets, ghosts, real. you listening? Is this thing on? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> an acting deputy director of the museum has experienced an often reported occurrence several times. As he comes out of his office, he'll hear the movement of clothing and the sound of footsteps behind him. But when he turns around to say hello, no one's there. And then once there was a young man dressed in uniform who introduced himself as Charlie to a family on the ship and he offered them a tour. When they eventually lost him below deck, the family went to ask about him, and they were told that there are actually no guided tours on the Lexington. When they gave the staff member a description of Charlie, his good-natured personality, his short blonde hair and piercing blue eyes, they were informed that Charlie had died on board the ship during World War II. He was an engine room operator, and he died during a Japanese plane attack. He's also sighted most often on the anniversary of his death. He's also been seen working in the engine room, looking intently at an engine as if he's trying to fix it. Charlie gets his kicks by appearing to visitors when they tour the ship. He especially likes to make himself known to pretty young ladies. When a bunch of cadets spent the night on board, some ran around the ship on a dare, and they ran right into him in the engine room. So, again, these are only a few of the countless reported paranormal encounters experienced aboard the USS Lexington. Many thanks to hauntedhouses.com, USSLexington.com, and Wikipedia. That's, that's very cool. Um, but yeah, once again, Charlie, he's in there. He's trying to fix the engine. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we got people, uh, ghosts in the, um, I can't remember where you said it was at, but the they were finishing up projects for the, yeah. the other people, and they're working, and... Why can't we just get some ghosts around here like These that? These are some really top-notch ghosts. You have the the painters, the ghost painters. You have Charlie. He's busy all the time. Yeah. He's trying to give tours. He's trying to fix engines. You know, good old guy. Sounds Why can't like we it. get a couple of those? Yeah. And so, you, you know, uh, not to take away from your story, but, you know, here in South Carolina, we have the USS Yorktown, uh, uh-huh. which is the... Uh, the uh, What do you call it? The, the battle... It's not the battleship. It's the... Uh, it's the aircraft carrier that right. um is it a battleship is that it uh it's in charleston yeah is it across the bridge where is that yep uh that's that would be mount pleasant mount pleasant yes i've stayed there before and we went and toured that and it was incredible uh yes uh let's see here yes it is an aircraft carrier so it's not a battleship my apologies i should know that um shame on me <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it, it's uh, it's very cool. I think they even offer uh, ghost uh, ghost stories, uh, ghost tours, like uh, ghost late tours? at night. Yeah, as well. I yeah. think even at one point 
I, I don't quote me on this, but I think I read somewhere that you could actually stay overnight there. I think um, you can. And I think you can at the Lexington, too. They have um, ghost tours and, you know, paranormal hunts or whatever you want to call it. Right. And I think if you contact them ahead of time and have a large enough group, you can arrange overnight stays on the Lexington. But I think that's the same at the Yorktown, too. I think you might be right. Um, yeah, that's that's very cool stuff there. Um we both are fans of the BuzzFeed Unsolved uh, Paranormal <laughs> with uh, Ryan and Shane. Yes. <laughs> if, if you haven't ever seen it, go look it up. It's on YouTube. Uh, I think it, I think they even show um, on Hulu and Amazon. So yeah, if you so. haven't ever seen it, go check that out. They got some really good episodes on there. Uh, one of the last seasons that I saw was they actually went, they actually came to the USS Yorktown. Oh, and really? that was where they actually caught a very vivid image of what appeared to be uh, someone else uh, under the stairs with them. Um, wow. So, yeah. It, so from, from what I remember of that episode, it looks like Ryan and Shane actually caught an image of uh, possibility someone who uh, either died on the USS Yorktown or used to work there. So it, wow. it's very very interesting stuff if you haven't never seen it go check that out they're very funny yeah. it's very comedic it's not boring right uh, no um, not at all you're entertained at, at at every turn so just uh, trust me on this you, you'll enjoy it <laughs> i don't think i've seen that episode of it where they go to the yorktown uh we went i guess it's been five or six years ago and mm -hmm. we spent probably three or four hours there and we could have spent three or four hours more that's how yes awesome it really is i would love to go back uh yeah it's a really great place they have uh the u.s uh aircraft carrier which is of course the largest of what they display there at patriots point uh in mount pleasant um they also have a submarine they i think yes. they also have a battleship as well or a destroyer mm -hmm. um so go check this stuff out i mean it's really cool you get your yeah. history lesson who knows you may even spot your very own charlie at the uh, USS Lexi. Um, I mean, it, what did they, what did they call it? They called it the the Blue um, Ghost. The Blue Ghost. I mean, with a name with a nickname like that, <laughs> I mean, certainly you're bound to find something. Exactly. Well, if you didn't have ghosts before, you're going to have them now. That is correct. So I did a little bit digging here in my home state, South Carolina, and uh, I came across a bit of a house that I had never heard of before. But from my understanding, currently it's a house that you can actually rent out for the weekend or however long you decide to. And um, let's see, uh, let me do a little digging in my info here. I want to say the name of the town is <laughs> is known as Rocky Bottom. Uh, okay. I believe there was another name for the town uh, here in South Carolina, but the name of the house is called the Shamrock House. Uh, now, after doing my little bit of digging here, what's funny is that, uh, according to uh, what's the the website I got this from is onlyinyourstate.com. Um, what is weird is that they claim that there have been uh, paranormal events and things that took place in the house uh, over the years that people have claimed to have witnessed. But the problem is is that they said according to the shamrock house website if you go to the shamrock house website i cannot locate 
any eyewitness accounts. There is no mention of any paranormal activity there whatsoever. So, yeah, me not knowing about this story at all before this, prior to this, I just want to put it out there that I'm not 100% sure on this. This is one that I found, but based on the information I found, that is where the story is coming from. So, nonetheless, I hope you enjoy it. So is known it, the house is known as the Shamrock House. It's a cabin in the woods. It was built in 1925 as a family compound. There are currently three dwellings on the property, uh, but the main cabin is where all the ghostly activity takes place. Now the legends surrounding the hauntings begin with a party that took place back in 1927. A young woman who was a teen at the time, along with her two friends, were supposedly hired to provide upstairs entertainment for the gentleman attending this soiree. Now, you take the word (laughs) entertainment however you wish. Uh, But one in particular, her name was Nancy. Now, she bailed out after arriving and having second thoughts. She went upstairs and locked herself in one of the bedrooms while the party continued as planned. But then Nancy got word that her father had found out she had been hired as the evening entertainment. Now, according to legend, he was a hardcore preacher who carried a gun. Legend has it that Nancy apparently became overwhelmed when she learned he was on his way to the house that she she would have to face him and own and own up to her transgressions. Now, perhaps Nancy had been drinking prior to locking herself in that room, but that didn't matter. She took an overdose of pills she either found or already had in her possession and died either before or after her father got there. The date was Friday, the 13th of May, 1927. 91 years later, the guests who stay in the big cabin report all sorts of weird goings on. Uh, Footsteps are often heard when no one is walking. There are unexplainable cold spots even in the summer. Lights turn on and off with no help from anyone close by. And doors have been known to open and close all on their own. Wow. When are you going to go stay there and give us a report? I don't know. Um, based on where it's located, it's uh, it's a few few couple hours away. So um, you can make yeah. it. Uh, a weekend sure, trip. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> I have no qualm about going to stay. Um, I, and I figured if it was that bad, they wouldn't be renting it out. There you go. And if their own website doesn't talk about it being haunted, then you know maybe you don't have to sign a waiver or anything. It can't be that bad. Yeah, I figured it wouldn't be, but uh, you know I looked into it and I tried to find anything and everything I could about this one, but. Uh, yeah, there wasn't really any kind of information pertaining to this story on their website. So I did what I could. Um, but yeah, that's it's up my to you first to go <laughs> either bunk it or debunk it for us. That That is correct. I think I need to do that. <laughs> that would be fun, in my opinion. That would be. Oh, yeah. Um, now, you've yeah, gone that, and done that a little bit. Like you've gone, you know, to some haunted places and yeah, there's a couple places out. I've been to. Um, I've been to the, the, um, the tomb of Julia Legree several times. Um, I've been to uh, down the road. What's the name of it? Uh, the Jacksonboro Light, which I've spoke about here before. And right. I've also uh, most recently we went to the 1790 Inn in Savannah, Georgia. I really enjoyed that because uh, they, you know me and the wife went. We enjoyed that. That that was just that was just fun. Um, it was really odd. Experience anything? 
Um, no, not really. Uh, now there was there was uh, a couple of times, uh, and I reviewed it on here because I actually did a little recording there while I was there. But what was funny about it is I began asking questions, and what picked up in my microphone is um, you could hear what sounded like the floorboard behind the television kind of creak. Uh, huh. It was weird because it did it a few times, uh, but there was no one or nothing over there in that corner, uh, but the television, which sat on top of a dresser. Right. Uh, but one thing the wife noticed, uh, they say that one of the spirits that haunt the 1790 in is uh, a little boy who mainly stays downstairs and he has an affinity with, I guess, pennies. Uh, it could, I guess, I don't know if this applies for all, uh, you know, uh, currency, but he, he takes, um, he takes pennies, dimes, nickels, whatever, and he'll leave them all over the, the hotel. But I think the majority of that actually takes place down below on the, on the first level. Right. But the wife noticed that in our bathroom, there were several, uh, a number, I don't know, I don't remember how much it was exactly, but there was a number of metal uh, change behind the toilet there. That's weird. Well, I thought it was too, because it seems like if the maid had seen it, they would have cleaned that up. But uh, yeah, when we, you would think, you know, not saying anybody ain't out here doing their job, not saying that <laughs> at all. But, you could think um, that, oh, look, money. Yeah, exactly. Oh. But it, it wasn't it wasn't a lot, but it you know it, it was noticeable, you know, yeah. to the fact that it was just kind of hanging out there behind the toilet, so uh, <laughs> like on the floor behind the toilet, and maybe that's why she didn't pick it up because maybe. it was behind the toilet, <laughs> maybe on the floor. <laughs> but when you think about it, okay, back when he was around in the inn, there probably wasn't a toilet there. There wasn't a TV stand where the TV stand was, and people were walking right there, and that's why. You know, maybe he dropped his change there, you know, because he he's walking through the place like it was when he was. Alive. Yeah, maybe that's huh? where his nightstand was, where he would drop maybe. his change off. Um, now, one thing I will say about this is that uh, the streets of Savannah, Georgia, can be quite noisy at night. Um, not that we had any trouble sleeping, but I will say that uh, perhaps that a number of these things that people claim to have heard. Uh, during their visit could be chalked up to the, um, you know, the busy streets below. So yeah. uh, there were several times that I heard different things, uh, you know, people passing by, cars, uh, people walking the streets and partying and enjoying themselves or whatever. But, yeah, it was fun nonetheless. Yeah. Have you ever been on a ghost tour in Savannah? Oh, yes. Uh, several times now. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, we we actually did one. Uh, I want to say it was the Sorrell Weed House. Uh -huh. uh, it has been reported to be one of the most haunted houses uh, in Savannah, Georgia, if not America. Uh, it's funny because the wife actually saw on Instagram uh, that one of the ghost adventurers uh, had, they had went and recorded an episode there. And, a few weeks later, she actually surprised me with a ghost hunting trip there. It was like a late night tour that we were awesome. taking. And uh -huh. so when we went, they gave us like uh, little temperature gauges and oh, these cool. different little meters that we could read and so on and so yeah. forth, uh, like EMF readers. Um, 
and that was all cool. I mean, it was fun. We got a little history lesson, and, and you know, yeah. in the night in Savannah, Georgia, we enjoyed it. Uh, but what was odd was the fact that that night that we were there, uh, back on TV, was that episode of Ghost Adventurers actually ah. aired that night that we were in Savannah taking oh, that tour. What a coincidence. That's kind of cool. It is. Kind of um, spooky. And, but one of my favorites is called the Creepy Crawly Pub Tour. And if you're okay. ever in Savannah, Georgia, I highly recommend doing it, especially if you're a fan of alcohol. Now, I don't I don't want that to be the selling point for you, but <laughs> imagine a two-hour walking tour uh, where you get to stop into a number of bars and um, libation stations where you get to hear the history on on those uh, those bars, those those buildings, those places. You pass a number of places uh, throughout the city where they stop, they talk to you, they give you a little bit of a history, a rundown, whatever. Um, that that stuff right there is great. And also, uh, most recently, I would highly recommend go checking out Miss Enika Edenfield's. Uh, walking tours you can she actually has her own website it's enica edenfield tours.com that is spelled e-n-o-c-h-a edenfield e-d-e-n-f-i-e-l-d enica edenfield tours.com we have had miss enica on the show uh several times before so i highly recommend um going and, and and booking a tour with her imagine if you will a personalized uh tour experience uh catered to your needs and what i mean by that is um they have she does tours uh, for those with mobility needs, history tours, and ghost tours. She's a very knowledgeable individual. She is she loves doing this stuff, and you guys will actually have a ball. So instead of actually booking a tour through a tour company that is going to have a, a, a quite a number of other guests there, you can actually book a tour with Enica, and it will be more private. So you only wow. have you know whoever's in your party. So there you go. So if it's just two of you. That's who she's taking out on her wow. tour. Yep. That is cool. Yeah, we're. I would love to go back, and I hope to maybe go back sometime this year. I don't know. That was probably one of our favorite trips that we ever took was to um, Charleston and Savannah. Yeah, Savannah's great. It is funny you mentioned that because uh, just before I jumped in on here today, I was actually watching Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Oh, so really? I actually found it not too long ago at a Goodwill, and I, oh, I didn't nice. actually own it. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to pick it up. <laughs> now, was that the Sorrel Weed House or no? Uh, no, that was the Johnny Mercer House. Yes. Okay. Because when we took that tour, that ghost tour in Savannah, which was the best ghost tour I've been on in the country. I've been on quite a few. Um, the Savannah one was my favorite. We went by the Sorrel Weed House and we went by the Mercer House. And they were yes, they're really, really cool. It, it's great. You know, um, it just, I love the movie. I really do. It just, it's one of those things. I think it kind of takes away from the it adds to the element of savannah georgia but on the same hand i don't want you anybody who has never been to savannah to watch that movie and get a false reading for what savannah georgia actually is because just from me re-watching it today or starting to rewatch it i was like savannah is not like that at all anymore so <laughs> right just keep that in mind. It's more of a, a more hustle and bustle city, of course, since the years since that movie came out. But just trust me, it, it's a it's a fun time nonetheless. 
Uh, matter of fact, uh, I think I mentioned this here before, but right, the, I think it was the Saturday before Christmas, uh, me and the wife went and we took a holiday lights tour in Savannah, Georgia. And it was oddly enough, we actually passed Miss Enica Edenfield oh, uh, wow. while she was out and about that night. I knew she was out doing a tour. My wife yeah. spotted her and hollered her at, hollered at her. And so I hope she, hope she heard us. Um, but Enica, <laughs> if you're listening, I hope you're doing well. And, uh, so we're going to be trying to send some good clientele your way yeah including me hopefully i'd love to go absolutely back. I, definitely I, I would highly recommend it um she's very she's very knowledgeable uh individual about the city and the town and she absolutely loves doing this stuff and i can't recommend her enough she she really does know what she's doing we um, went on a um a walking tour i guess you'd call it in charleston but it was a walking photography tour so, and I wish I could remember the lady's name. Her business is called Say Charleston instead of Say Cheese. It's Say Charleston. But she walks you through to some of the historic areas, tells you the history of the location. And she she's also a professional photographer. And she takes your photos at some of these really cool photo ops, you know, in the historic district and whatever. So my husband and I have only had photos taken of ourselves one time. We've been married for 11 years and we <laughs> only have one set of photos of us. And they were taken in Charleston. So can't ask for more than that but that's a really cool tour too it's not a paranormal tour it's more just a a history tour kind of a again the photography tour you get to see a lot of cool places um so yeah that's a good one too in charleston called say charleston there is a tour in charleston of the old city jail where you can actually go at night Um, oh i hadn't been at night yeah, they do a whole paranormal tour at night. You're given oh, your own cool. instruments to go and uh, just kind of investigate at your own leisure throughout the old city jail. And I would absolutely love to do that because if I could, I would definitely bring my portable recorder with me and see oh, what yeah. I can pick up. I would love to so, do that. Is that the dungeon? Is that, um, is that the same place? Or what they called the dungeon? I think it is. Uh, okay. Don't don't quote me on that, but uh, I think yeah, mm-hmm. I think there's a dungeon that is in correlation with the jail. Okay, because so, we went I on could- a tour of it and it was really neat. Uh, but we went during the day and I think it was our last day there, so we were a little bit rushed. But right. um, I, it was really cool to see. That is so awesome. Yeah, I now I'm itching to take another trip out <laughs> that way. There's so many yeah. cool things. The only thing that there isn't any of in that region, or not that I found that. You know, I had to take one point away. No casinos. Uh, yeah, you're not going to find them. But, you know, that kind of <laughs> was a little bit of a bummer, but it gave us more time to actually check out some worthwhile stuff and not waste all our money in the casino. So. Well, in my opinion, I think it, it's kind of like a balance between, you know, you got to take the good with the bad. We don't have the casinos, but we have <laughs> offshore drilling. So. <laughs> yeah, you got everything else. <laughs> but, I mean, if we didn't have the offshore drilling, I'm wondering, could we have the casinos? You know. Yeah, so, why not? Yeah. yeah. I, I would definitely take a casino. I, yeah, I well, we don't have casinos here either, so. Um, I I do know at one point that there was a casino, um, on the other side of Savannah, not just right outside of the city there, and it was a casino boat. You could go and uh, I don't think it. I think it cost like maybe five bucks to board the boat. Um, right. And then, of course, you know you had you could get drinks and food and stuff like that, uh, but they would not allow any t- sort of gambling to occur until it was pushed away from the dock. Shore, yeah, from, yeah okay. from the shore. Yeah. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Scared myself over here. <laughs> knocking know. my paperwork everywhere. Okay. It's a ghost. I think they <laughs> but, used to have a boat like that out of Galveston. 
if I remember right. I never went on it, and I don't even know if it still exists, but it was something similar to that. We are to do a list of haunted casinos. Dude, I have my own story of a haunted casino. So, yeah, I'm, put that on our list. Haunted casinos or haunt, haunted Nevada. haunt. Yeah, something about casinos. It's coming. All right. All right. Yeah, yeah. We'll definitely get into that. All right. So, Lexi, what's your next story that you have for us today? Yeah. Well, this one's just kind of a piddly little story. It's nothing that I wrote down. It's real short, and it's not even anything great. Um, but you were talking about your experience in Savannah, you know, when you stayed at that supposedly haunted hotel or whatever. So it kind of got me thinking about a little experience that I had. This was probably, let's see, I think it was 2008. So it'd be about 13, 14 years ago. Um, my boyfriend at the time and I used to enjoy going to all the historic places. You know, we, we like to travel around Texas. So we would go to several historic places, old abandoned places, things like that. We just had a great time we used to take some pictures for a texas travel website so we'd go to some different places take pictures pretty much anywhere there was a historical marker that's where we were headed um so we went all over the state you know checking out stuff like that it was really fun but we decided one time that we were going to stay overnight at fort concho in san angelo and um I've been to San Angelo multiple times. It's only about maybe two, two and a half hours from where I live. So it's not very far. It's a nice little town on the lake. You know, not not huge. Maybe about 80,000, 90,000 people. But it's um, a lot older city than where I'm from. It was established probably in the mid to late 1800s. But anyway, Fort Concho was established, I think, in 1867, somewhere in there. Um, It was a... A lot of Buffalo soldiers were stationed there. Anyway, um, they still have a lot of it is still there. Um, they have several officers' quarters. They have old barracks and things like that. Um, and you can tour it during the day. You know, go through all the buildings and the museum and whatever. So you can also stay overnight in the officers' quarters. And at the time, again, this was years and years ago. Um, you could stay in one of the officers' quarters. It had three bedrooms. Two bathrooms, a full kitchen, a conference room area, and you could stay there for like $100 a night. Which, I mean, you get a lot of square footage for your money. Um, Now, it didn't have TVs. It wasn't super, super modern or whatever. It was, you know, very period decor and whatnot. But we thought, you know, that'll be kind of neat. Something new, you know, something different than a hotel. So we decided to uh, go look around the museum and stay there at the officer's quarters. So we um, we get there, and he got there before I did. And so when I get there, um, we both just kind of take a walk through the house and just look around. We go look around the downstairs. We go upstairs where there are two bedrooms and a bathroom. And again, we look at both of these bedrooms. And of course, it was, you know, the place was all made up. We were the, you know, the only guests there that weekend. And we just, you know, kind of toured it around. And then we left to go hang out in town. We got back later that night, and we were going to sleep downstairs. And I think we were both a little bit spooked about this place, because for one, it was old. Two, it was rumored to be haunted. And I think I've talked about it before. I am a skeptic. I don't believe in ghosts, necessarily. But don't tell me a place is haunted, because I'm I'm going to get creeped out. <laughs> and so, <laughs> we... Uh, I didn't... It's like I wanted to stay there, but I kind of didn't. I was kind of spooked. And he's like, we spent the money. We're staying here. So we did. (laughs) (laughs) 
And uh, we were going to sleep downstairs. It was the biggest room. It had the biggest bed, and it had an attached restroom to it. So we didn't have to go out into the hallway and get spooked and get scared and whatever. But um, we were about to go to bed, and it was already night by this time. We went upstairs to one of the other bedrooms where to get some extra pillows. And we both went up the stairs, and right when he's about to walk into one of those bedrooms, he just freezes. And I've never actually seen the hair on somebody's arms and neck stand up. You know, you always hear that, oh, the hair on the back of my neck stood up. I never yeah. actually witnessed that before, but the hair on his arms stood straight up. I'd never mm-hmm. seen it before. And he just froze. I said, what? I didn't know if someone was in there. I mean, I didn't know what the deal was. And he just froze. I said, what? <laughs> and then finally mm-hmm. he just points in there. And there was a kind of a bureau in there, like a, a wardrobe or whatever. All the drawers and the doors were open, whereas they were not a couple of hours before when we were there. Mm. And the closet was cracked as well. So that, again, very, I'm sure there was a logical explanation. Someone may have gone in there. I mean, we locked it up before we left. Someone could have gone in there to mess with us. I don't know. But, so that did freak us out. And it's like, well, we have to stay here two nights. So we were, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we we were um, a little bit spooked by that. I He wasn't easily spooked. So him getting that freaked out by it kind of scared me. And so we didn't sleep great the two nights we were there. We put on the, we had a laptop and we watched DVDs of the office all night long to try and keep (laughs) us from getting scared. And there were some old dolls in the room. Uh They freaked us out. And so we put them in the hallway. Like we we took the dolls out of the room. Like it, we were kind of spooked that we thought we spent the money to stay here. And you know, when you're like 18, 19 years old, whatever, a hundred dollars a night is a lot of money, even though, yeah, it was, you got a lot for your money. You got a big house for your money. We're like, well, no, we're not missing out on, you know, this money that we already spent. So we stayed there the two nights. And I think it was maybe the day we were leaving. I'm not sure. Um, we were going to take some pictures for that Texas travel website. So we kind of go around the house and around Fort Concho as a whole and take some pictures. Well, I had a digital camera at that time. And I'm telling you, it was months, if not years, before I actually really looked at some of those pictures and put them on my computer and everything. And there was a picture that I had taken in that upstairs bedroom where we had gone, where the wardrobe was open and everything. And if you look in the mirror, there is a figure in the mirror that's see-through. And it couldn't be me. It couldn't be him. I don't know what it is. And I sent you the picture and you said that you saw the figure in the mirror. Yes. I remember that. Uh-huh. Picture that you yeah. Said. Like yes. you can kind of <clears throat> see the outline or to me, the outline of a face. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like you see legs and almost like someone's wearing a skirt. And we did find out later that that was the room that was supposed to be haunted because a little girl died in there in the 1800s. Wow. So uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I haven't been back. <laughs> or well, I've I, been back to Fort Concho, but I wouldn't stay the night there again. I would. Uh, I'm the type of person that, uh, you know, when I was younger, I was the type of kid. I was I was scared of the dark. 
I, I right. didn't like anything spooky. If you know, used to things on television used to terrify me, but now as oh, an too. adult, I'm just to the I'm to that point where I don't allow it to scare me. Um, right. If if I ever came face to face with something, um, you would know it uh, because <laughs> I would. It would be genuine fear. Uh, oh, on yeah. my face and uh, in my eyes because I would I probably wouldn't know how to respond so I, I completely understand that I'm not one to get spooked um, scary movies nowadays don't do anything for me I enjoy right. good storytelling you know yeah. stuff like that but on the same hand it's just I definitely get where you're coming from uh, because when I was younger I, I was just that way I'm like you know I have I have more of a fear of the real world than you know the next. Right. It's just the fact that when you can't explain something away, it's kind of like what uh, who was it? Arthur Conan Doyle, who wrote uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes, used to say, and Sherlock Holmes used to quote it all the time. But you know what? You know when you deduct everything, I don't even remember how it goes. But yeah, you know. When you, when you take away everything, when you take away all the impossible, whatever's left, no matter how improbable, that's the way it, you know, that's, that's the truth behind everything. Yeah. So it's kind of, it, it's kind of weird. You know, I mean, I, I completely understand where you're coming from with that because it's kind of like you, it, it, it's almost to the point where how it's like talking yourself through it to. Uh, convince yourself that either a somebody was here or b yes. something that we didn't see was here. Right. And yeah, I know that can be a little unnerving. Yeah, um, and it was scary to think of. You know, has someone been in the house? Is someone in the house? That was. Oh, I, you know, we were kind of scared of that too, because uh, that Fort Concha. It's not in the best area of town, <laughs> so it's kind of. Uh, you know, not not the best area to be in at night necessarily, especially if you're alone. Um, but. We did kind of look all around the house, didn't see where anyone could have gotten in. Um, and so then we were scared again. We're like, well, then what opened the thing? Because it was one of those, and we tried it later. You couldn't just, you know, pull at it and it would open real easy. You no, know, you kind of had to, you know, really struggle to pull it open. Um, right. So anyway, again, nothing super uh, exciting or, you know, elaborate, anything like that. But that was it was enough to spook me and enough to um, make me know that I won't spend the night there again. Yeah, I, I can I can definitely see that. I can definitely see that. And the um, picture was the icing on the cake. Oh, yeah. I mean, it just. Oh, yeah. I, I completely understand. I do. Um, you know, it's weird how the other side works because it's like, there I go. Moving my paper again. <laughs> It's kind of funny how the other side works because it makes you think that something's wrong with you. Yeah. And, but like I said, you know, if you take away everything else that is possible, whatever's left is the truth. And it's, yeah. And yeah, it's whatever it's, it is. Yeah. And so it's kind of crazy. But yeah, uh, that was a very good story. I like that story. Well, thank you. Very good stuff. So I'd like to know, everyone, what are your thoughts on? Lexi's story there. If you would send us a mail, um, voicemail message, or uh, we'll we'll have a link down below in the show notes to uh, where you can leave us a voice message about her story, or you can shoot us an email at the Southern Spectre Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> and you know um, what we did while we were there? At, I just have to throw this in there. I forgot <laughs> what it. Was it? You know how it said they there was a full kitchen in that house? 
Mm-hmm. Do you know what we made one of the mornings while we were there? Breakfast burritos. Breakfast tacos. <laughs> we didn't make breakfast tacos. Breakfast burritos. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, there you go. Spirits and breakfast tacos. Burritos. <laughs> breakfast burrito, yes. <laughs> All right, uh, moving on. Uh, my next story here um, comes from the South Carolina town known as Edgefield. Um, kind of going to try and leave you guys a little bit in the dark here so you don't find out anything, but let's move on. So uh, Rebecca Kennedy was born in 1765. She was the only daughter of James Kennedy. And as her mother died when she was very young, her father was very near and dear to her heart. So in 1785, Becky actually married John Cotton. When Becky's father had a dispute over land with three of his neighbors, they threatened to kill him. He fled to his daughter and son-in-law's house to seek refuge. While there, the men burst into the house and shot Becky's father right in front of her. And John, Becky's husband, did nothing to stop it. Now, from this moment on, Becky became consumed with poisonous thoughts of revenge. She felt that she had to make her husband pay for his act of cowardice. On one particular night in 1794, Becky quietly crept up the loft stairs where her husband was sleeping, grasping an axe that she had taken from the woodpile earlier that day. She swept quickly across the floor and drew near to his bed. Lifting her axe, she drove it into his defenseless head. Poor John Cotton died immediately. Oh, she can- Becky. <laughs> oh, Becky. She can- I'm telling you. She convinced her brother, David, to help her drag John's lifeless body to the potato vault. She fled the area, but was later captured at King's Mountain. She was put on trial for murder, but her bewitching beauty captivated the all-male jury, and she was acquitted of all charges. She even became the administrator of her dead husband's estate (gasps) after a legal battle with her father-in-law, Thomas Cotton, uh, which was extremely rare for the time. She also married one of the jurors, Major (laughs) Ellis. Now, there are those who say that this was not the only time Becky Cotton committed murder. Some believe that there were other husbands who met their end by her hand. One was Erasmus Smith, who had a mattress needle driven through his heart while he slumbered by by the fire. Another was Joshua Terry, who was given a deadly dose of nightshade in his herbal tea. Legend has it that she dragged the lifeless bodies of these men to a deep section of Beaver Dam Creek, wrapped them in bricks, and threw them into the murky water. This spot has become known as Beck's Hole, now a part of Slade Lake. And it is said that the the wails of these men can be sometimes heard from the bottom of the hole. However, justice did finally catch up with Becky Cotton. On May 5th, 1807, while standing on the steps of the courthouse, which was at that time located on the site of the old Plantation House Hotel. Let me reread that. On May 5th, 1807, while standing on the steps of the courthouse, one day flirting with a young man, her brother Stephen spotted her. He knew what evil lay behind the beautiful face and was tired of her always getting away with her foul deeds. Without a moment's hesitation, he picked up a stone, ran up to her, and hit her in the side of the head. There, Becky Cotton fell and died as her blood pooled all around her. 
Did this Stephen, was her brother? Yeah, this was her brother. Okay, but not the one that helped her bury the first husband. Yes, this is okay. the same brother. Okay. Oh, it is yes. the same brother. Oh, yeah, same brother. Okay. He's just tired of her shenanigans. Okay. Oh, wait, no, I apologize. You are correct. David was the first one. Um, yeah, that yeah. was David. Da- yeah, David helped her move the body, her first husband's body. Um, I guess her other brother, Stephen, uh, he was never charged with Becky's murder. It even took several of her children with him when he migrated west. Stephen's grave was found recently in Mississippi, inspiring the Cotton and Kennedy descendants to research their family history in Edgefield. The location of Becky's grave has never been confirmed. Wow. It also goes on to say that in an interesting side note, a traveling preacher named Mason Locke, Mason Locke Weems, actually, wrote many pamphlets in his day, including The Bad Wife's Looking Glass or God's Revenge Against Cruelty to Husbands, which <laughs> is the fateful day, uh, which was the fateful tale of Becky Cotton. He wrote it in 1810, just three years after her actual death. Very cool stuff. That was one I have always heard little rumors about and stuff. Uh, just yeah. never actually dove into the story. Um, oh. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, I found this to be a mix of the story of the legend of Lavinia Fisher, as well as um, a little bit of Lizzie Borden thrown in there as well. Yeah, sounds like it with the axe and everything. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. No, I've never heard that one. And I just be honest with you, these jurors and the law upholders back then just did not have any couth about them whatsoever. Oh, she's beautiful. Let her go. She's beautiful. She's so beautiful. You just have to let her go. So that uh, juror that she married, did she ixnay him too? It does not say. Guess he should have been more careful. I guess so. He knew what he was getting into because he He was at the trial. Yeah. That's, That's all on him. Yeah. I agree. So, yeah. Uh, very interesting story, if nothing more than a legend. But, yeah, it, it, it's interesting like enough. That. But it, It's crazy. But, you know, like I said, these people way back when just did not, they didn't uphold the law very well. And I'm, No, I'm not very well at all. I'm kind of disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cool story, though. I, I'll have to do some research into that one, too. That's really interesting. All right. And, Lexi, what is your third and final story that you have for us? My last little story comes from Erath County, Texas, just off Highway 6 between Dublin and Alexander, and it's actually only a few miles from the location of a couple of other stories we've covered on the show. Um, Several episodes I talked about the shadow people and Heiko um, that my grandmother and cousin experienced, and then you brought up the UFOs in Stephenville. So this is only a few miles from, from both of those. Um, Legend has it that in the 1860s, a couple by the name of Charlie and Jenny Papworth moved into a cabin on Greens Creek near a location now known as McDowell Hole. McDowell Hole was named after Charlie Papworth's uncle, Jim McDowell. After Charlie's parents passed away, he left Erath County on a trip to tie up some loose ends and complete some family business, and Jenny and their two children stayed behind at the cabin. During the day, Jenny busied herself with the children and her household chores. In the evening, Jenny and the children would go to the McDowell home to spend the night with them. One night, Jenny and the kids didn't show up to the McDowells, as expected. By the next day, the McDowells became very concerned. They were even frantic. So they went to the Papworth cabin and found it in complete disarray. 
They also located a trail of blood. Papworth's young son was found hiding under the bed unharmed, but Jenny and the baby were never found. Initially, the main suspect in the case was a man named W.P. Brownlow. He was known as a troublemaker around town, and Brownlow, Brownlow sorry, immediately blamed the Comanche Indian tribe in the area, but Papworth's son, um, he didn't remember much of what happened that night, because uh, again, he hid really quickly and whatever, but he said all he remembered was the man who entered the home that night was white and he spoke English. So this raised some red flags with the locals and they began to question Brownlow's involvement in the incident. But no concrete evidence was ever found of his guilt. Wow. So Charlie Papworth, yeah, Charlie Papworth and his son ended up moving away pretty soon from McDowell Hole and not long after is when the hauntings began. Later residents of the Papworth cabin are said to have witnessed spectral images of Jenny Papworth and her baby daughter over the years. Jenny is often seen standing holding her baby. Local legend has it that one man was so terrified by the vision that he immediately had a heart attack and died on the spot. I'm afraid that's what would happen to me if I ever saw a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> had a heart attack, died on the Just spot. Immediately have a heart attack and die on the spot. So I hope that doesn't happen. So just um, curious, was, was Brownlow... Was his was his jury like all female or were they all male? <laughs> and they go. were like, "Oh yeah. my god, he's so beautiful! He's just so <laughs> handsome! I he's don't know, so he's just dreamy." Did they let women be on juries back then? Who knows? I don't know. I, I wouldn't know think either. so. If I had yeah. to guess, I would say no. Um, Probably not. Yeah. yeah. Um. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah, I agree. Um. Yeah. Wow. I. Yeah. It is some, just crazy some of the stuff that comes out of the regions uh, that we live in and these stories that have been told. And it, even even if they have been embellished, the truth is far stranger than fiction. Right. In this story here, I mean, there are and I'll I got a lot of and there's a little bit more to it, but I got all this info from the moonlit dot com and Texas Hill dot com. These are only a couple of the experiences and a little bit of the story that's on there um check out those especially the moonlitroad.com it goes it's a very very long write-up on a lot of the stuff that happened here at mcdowell hole the history of it um you know the disappearance of jenny and the baby um but again this is just a little bit of it um but yeah like you said it's just you know all the stuff whether some of it's legend whether it's real it's hard to say but i mean it makes for a really interesting story and um so after the uh, resident immediately had the heart attack and died on the spot. Rest in peace. Um, some years later, a couple of folks, the town drunks, some say, heard about the supposed ghosts at the cabin, and they met a bartender up in town who had some kind of a connection to the place, and he said they could stay there for a few days to check it out for themselves. When the visitors failed to show back up in town, a search party went to check on them. They were nowhere to be found, and they've never been found to this day. The cabin, however... It was found riddled with fresh bullet holes. Years have come and gone, and many folks have made many claims of seeing Jenny and the baby. From a young boy fishing at the creek, to local ranchers, to travelers on a nearby train. One of Jenny's greatest hits, if you will, was her appearance at the bedside of W.P. Brownlow as he lay dying. Brownlow finally admitted to the murders of Jenny and her baby. He said that murder was fueled by fear. Fear that Jenny might repeat a conversation she had overheard Brownlow having regarding him wrestling cattle, which at the time was an offense punishable by hanging. 
It's reported that Jenny's ghost and that of her child still haunt the McDowell Hole area to this very day. That is crazy. Yeah. Those strange disappearances like that are just wild. You know, you have to kind of put it in perspective. You know, number one, we don't have uh, the force or, or the number of people that we have today out looking for for anyone in particular but on the same hand we don't have the tech they didn't have the technology that we do today to help locate anyone um but on the same hand it's really quite quite mysterious that some people just up and vanish and they're never seen again which i once again which i suspect is a was a lot easier to get away with back then oh yeah um you know you could change your name and you know you weren't registered in a database anywhere uh you didn't have a driver's license or a horse carriage license (laughs) yeah or or anything like that so you know i can understand it but on the same hand it's just kind of mind-blowing that people just up and disappear and you never see them again right i think that'd be a good topic for a future episode like uh, faked deaths or something like that. Yeah, fake deaths or mysterious disappearances. Yeah. Yeah, yeah those I'm are good. Sure there's a bunch of them. Oh, I'm sure so. All right, so I could not find a story uh, that was local enough, in my opinion, to really have as my third and final story. So what I did was um, I took, these are a combination of Appalachian um, stories uh, like old wives tales is the best way I can describe it or little sayings, uh, things that people believed in way back when, uh, things that people did, uh, to kind of, you know, uh, it's the way they lived almost. Um, so for example, the very first one that I have here, and when this is complete open to full discussion. So, uh, the very first one I have is when you harvest apples from a tree, leave at least one to keep the devil away. Okay. There you go. Keep that in mind. (laughs) Yeah. So a dentist, uh, I mean, a dentist a day, (laughs) an apple a day keeps the doctor away. But, you know, you leave one on the tree to keep the devil at bay. So I don't know. Okay. There you go. Hey, keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, If you're drinking spirits, pour a little out on the ground to satisfy spirits past. The ghostly kind. Yes, I have as well. Um, since New Year's just passed, for good luck in the coming year, open your front and back doors at midnight on New Year's Eve to let the old year blow out. Really? Did yeah, I've heard that? that one before. Never done it. Nope. <laughs> I, I've i never done that, but I have heard don't do laundry on New Year's Day. Never heard that one. Uh, because apparently you, you hear different things. Um, you, the, one, the worst one is like if you do laundry on New Year's Day, like one of your loved ones will get washed away in the new year. Hmm. Um, but also they say, if you do laundry on new year's day, that's an omen that you'll be doing a bunch of laundry all year long. <laughs> so, right. um, I of course was off on new year's day and I had a bunch of laundry that I needed to get done. <laughs> I used that as an excuse not to do laundry. I literally did. I read that online. I'm like, Nope, I'm not doing it. I can't do it. Nope. Can't do it. That's probably why the, the, re- the entire world right now feels like we're still stuck in 2020 because <laughs> nobody opened their doors. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> We should have eaten our black eyed peas and not done laundry, opened our doors. Well, see, that's what that was another one since you brought up uh, new, uh, the, the, the laundry on New Year's Day. Um, that was one I was about ready to bring up, you know, around here. The black eyed peas and um, uh, the greens. 
I'll get it out in a second. Uh, <laughs> collard greens, uh, mustard greens. Uh, supposedly that represents uh, cash. Uh, oh, okay. And so the black eyed peas represents change, uh, like as coins, currency. Um, so that that's another thing there. You know, they say the more you eat on New Year's Day, the more you'll have throughout the year. So, so you're supposed to eat black eyed peas and greens. Yes, that's probably why oh, I stayed okay. broke. See, the, <laughs> the greens haven't made their way out here. I think we talked about that in a previous episode. Yes. No greens around here. But um, yeah, I don't cook black eyed peas either, but maybe I should. <laughs> um, we have a dish around here uh, called Hoppin' John, and it's like, uh, I want to say it's okra, and um, let, let me do a little research real quick. Uh, but I want to say it's okra and black-eyed peas. Like fried okra or slimy okra? Um, that's a good question. Let's see. Uh, it is a type of black-eyed peas. Um, so black-eyed peas, according to simplyrecipes.com, black-eyed peas were native to Africa and were domesticated some 5,000 years ago on the continent. This humble little bean, yes, they're beans, not peas, as their right. name would you, would have you believe, <laughs> came to North America aboard slave ships. We're not exactly sure how they got associated with New Year's, but we do know that black-eyed peas help sustain Southerners during the period of Reconstruction. Black-eyed peas are also culturally significant for Sephardic Jews celebrating Rosh Hashanah. Uh, sometime after the Civil War, Hoppin' and John became good luck New Year's New Year's food. Uh, so together with rice, Hoppin' John gives you all your complete proteins. There's a Southern saying. Peas for pennies, greens for dollars, and cornbread for gold. Never heard that, oh. but that is there hey, you go. Let's That's get some a, cornbread. Yeah, there you go. Um, I do too. Uh, no sugar in cornbread. Sorry. I agree. No you don't put sugar Correct. in cornbread. Uh, don't put so sugar the, in cornbread, and it's a breakfast burrito. They're right. on the same page. Uh, so, according to this recipe here, uh, not sure if this is the original recipe at all. I doubt it is, but according to this recipe, uh, put in some uh, black-eyed peas, uh, some bay leaf, thyme, Cajun seasoning, salt, long grain rice, scallions or green onions, celery, yellow onion, bell pepper, uh, bacon or ham hocks. So, there you Pretty go. Good. Um, yeah. So that that's that's another one there for us. Um. I'll put Deaths that were, on my list for next New Year's. <laughs> uh, deaths were thought to come in threes. If two people died reasonably close together, someone would always predict a third. If you hear a screech owl at dusk, someone will die. Uh, and of course, it's bad luck to walk across graves. Yes. Especially a, a fresh grave. Mm-hmm. Not just bad uh, luck. It's kind of disrespectful, too. I agree. Um, sometimes, depending on the cemetery, it's almost unavoidable, though. You're right. That's true. Um, I would do my best to walk around where I think the body is. Though. Yeah. But sometimes, like um, you said, you kind of can't avoid it, avoid it. So, pregnant women aren't supposed to look at a corpse, lest their child be, quote, marked. Marking could be in the form of a physical mark or deformity, or it might be a mental deficiency or illness. Yeah, that's kind of rather morbid. It is morbid. I've never heard that one either. Me either. Uh, Setting an empty rocking chair in motion signifies death. Uh, It's also believed that bees carry the news of death. Oh, no. You're allergic to them, yeah. (laughs) I would agree. Um, What was the kid's name from my girl? Thomas J. Yeah, I was. I couldn't think of his name. <laughs> <laughs> he needs his glasses. He can't see he without his glasses. glasses. That's terrible. Yeah, that was horrible. That was heartbreaking. It was. Thanks, childhood. I know. 
Emotional um, damage. <laughs> Emotional damage. Damage. Um, so now we're going to get into some of the more Appalachian folklore and superstitions. Uh, so the next list I have here for you, these are what is known in Appalachian folklore as signs. So a chin dimple is a sign of bad character. Dimples on the chin are said to have been made by the devil's shoe. Yikes. Yeah, kicked <laughs> in the shoe? face by the devil, sir. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, but you think about that. It, think about that for a second and think about to back to some of these movies and such. And mm-hmm. most characters with a dimple, a, a chin dimple, they're the bad guy. <laughs> oh, that is true. <laughs> but also think about it this way. If the devil finds you an enemy, you're probably a good person. If you're the enemy of the devil. Let's look I at agree. it that way. That is know. true. Very true. Uh, tingling or itching ears are a sign that someone is talking about you. If it is the left ear, you're being gossiped about. If it's mm-hmm. the right ear, good things are being said. Um, I've always heard that. Mm-hmm. Is the sole of your foot itching? This is a sign that you are about to embark on a long journey. My foot itches all the time. Where am I going? I don't know. Be prepared, though. <laughs> okay. Um, if you have a candle that is hard to light, it is a sign that rain is on the way. Okay. And uh, now here's now I, I now I just recently read in the last list it was bees carry the news of death, but according to Appalachian folklore, uh, dreaming of bees is a sign of good fortune. That's kind of contradictory. I agree. Um, now we're moving on into superstitions. It says an acorn placed on a window will protect the house from lightning strikes. Don't know how that works, but <laughs> yeah, I don't either. Uh, treading on an. Ant. Now here's one. I got to thinking about this the other day. Now I don't know what it is, but uh, my father-in-law during the summer, uh, whenever he cuts grass, if he's cutting grass, it's going to rain. If really? it's if it's not that day, you can bet your bottom dollar it's the next day or the day after. It's right around the corner. If it hasn't started raining, it's going to. So nice. with that being said, this next one makes a lot of sense. Treading on an ant nest will cause rain that day. So if you're out in the summertime cutting your lawn and you hit an ant hill, uh-huh. wouldn't it be the same thing? You're disturbing the ant nest. So, that just my, huh. yeah. Yeah. Um, now, this one says it comes from a German. Uh, this is a German superstition, but it says a man who wipes his hands on a girl's apron is sure to fall in love with her. <laughs> That's just now, funny to me. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know the significance between Come. hand washing and or wiping hands on an apron. And I don't either. Come here, woman. Let know. me wipe my hands on your apron. Exactly. I mean, that's. I don't know. Um, now this is an Irish superstition, but sitting on a spit, not sitting, but spitting on a new baby will bring the child good luck. I disagree <laughs> because he just got spit on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it'll bring, you say it will bring you good luck or the child? Good no, luck? it'll bring the child good luck. Oh, okay. I was about to say, if you spit on my new baby, I'd probably deck you. <laughs> For real. Kind of weird. Um, 
So uh, uh, this is a, the last superstition here. Uh, but of course, these aren't. This one isn't referring to the diapers that we use today. But never leave a baby's washed diapers on the clothesline during a full moon, because they will attract evil forces. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say the baby's going to turn into a werewolf or something. <laughs> No, no, apparently it attracts a shit demon. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Evil forces. Um, Wow. All right, so now we're going to go talking about some omens. You know, and an omen can be a good omen or it can be a bad omen. So let's dive into these. These are great. A chicken laying an uneven number of eggs is an omen of danger. Um, If a rabbit crosses your path before sunrise... Unhappiness will cloud your day. It's terrible. If the dough for baking bread cracks while being shaped, a funeral will soon occur. Oh, no. Like a funeral of someone you know or just a funeral? Uh, it doesn't necessarily uh, okay. it doesn't go that deep. It just okay. says a funeral will soon occur. Um, then I won't be baking bread anytime soon. I know, right? If a broom falls over for no reason when someone walks past, it is an omen of bad fortune. Uh-oh. Um, speaking of brooms, I have always heard, too, that if someone is sweeping and they sweep your feet, uh, it means you'll be going to jail. I've always heard if you someone sweeps under your feet, you'll never get married. That might be the case, too. <laughs> you won't get married because you're in jail. You're in jail. <laughs> <laughs> um this one this one's pretty creepy as well calling out the name of a deceased person while dreaming is an omen of death um and now on to some just generalized superstitions um but and sayings i guess old wives tale but never eat both ends of a loaf of bread and it goes on to explain that never eat both ends of the bread of the loaf of bread before you eat the middle or you won't be able to make ends meet. Huh. Never eat both ends of the loaf of bread before you eat the middle or you won't be able to make ends meet. Uh, Why would you anyway, though? I, I don't know. Who, who likes <laughs> I'm that just crap? curious. Yeah. I mean, the only time you eat that is if you don't have anything else. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> but I'll be honest with you, it doesn't really matter to me anymore because I can overlook stuff like that. But I mean, if you took a whole bunch of those end pieces like that and cut them all up, you can still make bread pudding. Oh, yeah. So what do you call <laughs> the, like just a commercially made loaf of bread? What do you call those end pieces? Apparently, sometimes people call them different things. Um, I, I don't really know. I don't really have a name for it. I just call it like the... Uh, the butt of the bread, I guess. Okay, because we call it the heel. The heel, oh, okay. Heel. The heel of the bread, the be- uh-huh. butt of the bread. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I've heard um, several different um, terms for it. See, I I feel like I've heard a term for it before, but I've never actually heard it heard it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I'm not sure. Um, hang a mirror by the door to protect against evil. A folk belief is that the devil is so vain, he'll get distracted by his reflection until the sun rises and forget to enter. (laughs) I have heard that. uh, I think you may have told me that one. That may also work for some company you may have come into Very well possible. (laughs) You are right. Um, And, of course, we've discussed this one several times here on the show, but Haint Blue. uh, People used to believe that spirits could not cross uh, over water. 
So they painted porch ceilings and doors a special shade of blue called Haint Blue to ward off the evil spirits. Now, just for you wondering, uh, there is no specific shade called Haint Blue. Um, there are very number, it's it's a, it's almost a hue, okay? So it's kind of like a, it's a, it's a lighter color blue, but it's a mixed, uh, it's almost like blue uh, with some white and possibly a little bit of a tinge of green, but it, it's, if you see it, you know it. Yeah. That's the thing. It's but if you just go looking for like Haint Blue Paint at, you know, Sherwin-Williams or Lowe's, you're not going to find Haint Blue Paint. Okay. You just have I'm to just, know what color you're looking for. Well, I mean, you just have to. It's kind of a feel type thing. You have to feel you know? it in your soul. I mean, because here's the thing. Okay, now, have you ever heard the story of Dorian Gray? Oh, that name sounds super familiar. Yeah, uh, I think it was a, he was a vampire that if he ever looked at his own portrait, he would die. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you've seen the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, he was in there. Um, but long story short. Uh, that is the name of the gray paint that me and the wife oh, really? <laughs> painted when we bought the house here. We, uh -huh. we actually painted uh, the interior. Uh, it is Dorian Gray. Well, And I will always remember that because I know who Dorian Gray is. Exactly. So if you ever need a replacement, you know, yeah. can of paint or whatever, you know exactly what you need to go get. Exactly. So if you, my point is, is if you try to Google just Haint Blue, there is no... There's no haint blue paint anywhere. Did you? I mean, it, it's just several different colors. Uh, so, like I said, what may look, you know, haint blue on somebody else's porch may not look haint blue on your porch. So you just have to be careful. That's all I'm saying. You just have to be careful. That is correct. Um, now, this is something I see just about everywhere here in the South, but bottle trees. Uh, Strolling the streets in a small town may render a lot of unfamiliar sights, like the bottle tree. Deeply superstitious people believe that evil spirits could be caught in glass bottles placed outside. When the spirit was caught, one could cork the bottle and throw it into the river to wash it away. They are more prevalent toward the coast of South Carolina, but if you've ever seen them, they usually will take like uh, green or blue or uh, uh, clear glass bottles and they will pick a tree out in their yard usually it's like a much smaller tree and they will actually like they open up the bottle and they they slide it onto the smaller limbs and so it just hangs there so it looks like a tree decorated with empty bottles huh. is what it looks I like i feel like i have seen those before you probably have and probably didn't know what it was or you know didn't think anything about it yeah, I didn't even uh, know that story until here just a few years back. Huh. So now you probably, when you see them, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know now. And on the lookout for them now. That's right. All right, so uh, the next one is open the window when someone dies in a home. If you live in the South for a while, you will see some strange things. When someone dies in a home, people oh, people open the windows and cover the mirrors. This will allow the soul to leave and not be captured. So apparently a soul can be captured through a mirror. A bird in the house. You will see slight panic on some faces when there is a bird in a house since people often believe that a bird in the house foretells death. Oh, no. And an itchy nose. If your nose itches, company is coming. People still tell me that I will have company soon when I scratch my nose. That's funny. A bedhead. People believe that waking up with crazy hair is the creepy sign of witches sneaking into your room <laughs> and playing tricks on you while you sleep. Well, uh, so then apparently everybody has witches. Well, I guess you don't. 
but yeah, well, it, actually, a lot yeah, of the rest it, of us do. It is coming along quite nicely, thank you. It's coming okay. out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's it's enough in the back where the wife can play with it. So. <laughs> Uh, there you go. If you have an itchy palm, it usually means that uh, you will either give or receive some money. I've always uh, heard receive. Uh, I have too, but it apparently depend? it depends on which hand is itching. But oh, I don't know which is which. Okay, well, um, <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of an important detail. Um, another one is uh, don't put your pocketbook on the floor. Um, yes. Your bag sh- uh, <laughs> go ahead. Oh, sorry. A lady at a Mexican food restaurant told me that one time. She said, um, what was it? Purse on the floor, money out the door. And apparently it's like a big um, superstition. And so I have never put my purse on the floor after that. I have never heard of it until putting this together. But it says your bag should never hang lower than your money maker, or you'll be in financial distress. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, purse on the floor, and money out the door. That's a good way to remember. And that is all I have on the superstitions and... Uh, uh, folk tales uh, and I stuff. I enjoy those. Yeah, those are those are great. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any that I've actually heard of as well. I heard of um, you're not supposed to if you know, like you're not supposed to a, a woman, a wife, a girlfriend is not supposed to buy their significant other a pair of shoes because it will. It's a signal. It's to signify them their significant other walking out the door, walking out oh, of no. their lives. <laughs> yeah. So, like, at all, um, you can't buy your significant other shoes? That's what it says. Yikes. I did buy my husband some shoes the other day, and he hates them. But I don't I don't think that means he's walking out the door. He just doesn't. You think he's going to leave you over some shoes? <laughs> he might. I don't know. <laughs> he really doesn't like the shoes. Wow. Um, that's why I do my all my own shopping. There you go. Um, Superstition be darned. I- I know what I like. My wife will pick me out some shirts here and there and bring them back to me or whatever. And most, for the most part, I, I do like them, but, um, it's just, it's just, I have my own thing about me. I, I either, I like something or I don't, and I know what I yeah. like and I know what I don't. So, um, but, uh, yeah, so we go shopping together. Um, I don't mind shopping. I'm not one of these guys that, you know, uh, I got to hold your purse while oh, I hey, go shopping. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I like going shopping. Hey, uh, I will, see you here in about 30 40 minutes when you're done i'll catch back up with you later you go yeah you go to your store yeah Yeah. um tj maxx is where it's at (laughs) (laughs) i don't hate tj maxx i can tell you that i do not hate me some tj maxx no i don't i'll tell you what the past few i used to buy i used to be a little bit bougie of course but of course i used to buy uh at, at black friday around here in the south at belks you could actually purchase uh i think it was was it lee's was it a pair of Levi jeans, Lee's or Levi jeans? I can't remember which, but uh, I think it was Lee. But uh, you could purchase like two pairs of Lee jeans for fifty bucks, and oh then boy. because it was Black Friday, you could get a third pair for free. So if you <gasps> buy two pairs, you get a third pair free. So I was like, well, that's not a bad deal. So I'd spend a hundred dollars and get six <laughs> pairs of jeans. You know, that's a lot I mean, of jeans. I, I agree, but you know, if you're buying them every Black Friday. Well, true, but I did that for a couple of years, but I noticed that Lee jeans uh, do not hold up to their oh. price. So That's probably so, why um, you had to buy I them. I started something. buying all my jeans from That probably so. But uh I actually started buying all my jeans from Sam's Club. Okay, and yeah. I've spent maybe 12 to 16 dollars on a pair of jeans now but i don't buy them in bulk so i yeah. just i just buy them as i need them you know but right I, there's very i've 
I've had the ones I have now for a few years and I haven't had to replace any yet. So, I mean, you find some maybe faded spots here and there or maybe sure. a little hole here and there, but and nothing that does not stop me from wearing it. That's good to know. I used so, to love going to Sam's Club. I did. I, Just I, to I still look do. around. I don't I have a Sam's do. Club card anymore. I should get one. But um, my husband and I used to go eat lunch there all the time because they had the you snack bar. You cannot beat a hot dog from freaking Sam's. The hot dog or the pizza. The pizza is fantastic and it was cheap. You can get a big old slice of pizza and a drink for like two bucks. Again, this was like 12 years ago. but um, Oh, it's, it's the, still the same. Okay. I mean, you, yeah, you can. Um, the hot dogs, the mm-hmm. hot dogs are freaking huge. And, and you they're can good get, too. They are. You can get a like a foot long. I, I say a foot long, but if it's not, it's close to it. Uh, but you can get a huge hot dog and a thirty-two ounce drink for like a dollar fifty. Can you beat that anywhere? I don't think you can. No, but my problem is I got to have more than one hot dog. Well, yeah, me too. Kind of like you know, I, one slice of pizza isn't going to do it for me. I'm the same way. Do they have churros at the Sam's where you are? Uh, yes, I believe they do. Uh, they quit having them around here, and they were the best. They were real soft. And, oh, uh, I can tell you the last time I had a churro, and the first time I had a churro was at <laughs> Disney World. Oh, yeah. That was the first Good. and last time I've ever had a churro. Oh, I guess it didn't um, impress you too much? No. Oh. Well, nope. Okay. Not with all the other expenses I had going to Disney World. Oh, yeah, like you can't just yeah. uh, I was, I was, I was like, fork over what? 10 bucks for it, a churro every 30 minutes. You know, when I... Well, I mean, here's the thing. I thought it would be warm and fresh and inviting and yeah. make me feel like it's Christmas time. But no, it did. It was cold and it was uh-uh. cinnamon and sugar all in my beard. And it was, oh, geez. <laughs> no, the ones at Sam's are, you'll just feel like it's Christmas in your mouth. That's great. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. Um, you mentioned pizza and there's a little place here uh, in Beaufort, South Carolina. And it's called the Upper Crust, and it is hands down one of my favorite pizza joints. I absolutely love their pizza. They actually have a pizza there. It's called the Upper Crust. Now imagine taking two pizzas that are the exact same size and just mashing the tops of them together to form crust on the top, crust on the bottom, and meat and cheese filled within. That That's is what is really called. good. It is really good. I kid you not. A lot of people say, oh, it's too greasy. No, it's not too greasy. No. That is flavoring, sir. That is flavoring think, oozing out of it. I don't think you can have pizza that's too greasy. I really don't think you can. Well, in my opinion, I think there's a difference between grease and lost flavor. And you're you know, right. You, you have to you have to cook it. You're gonna have some oil and stuff on it. I mean, if it's freshly made. You can have olive oil, extra virgin olive oil, whatever. And then you're going to have your toppings and your cheese and stuff. And when you cook uh, sausage and pepperoni and stuff, that stuff leaks out oil. So it's going to yeah. be there. Uh, but, I mean, it's just imagine this. If you don't cook it, there's more grease inside of it. That's true. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's oh, just now, you don't taste it. Now I want pizza. I'm telling you. God, I could go for a pizza. Too bad they don't make keto pizza. They do, but it's stupid. They do, but it is stupid. It, I'm like, I don't really want scary. a pizza crust made from chicken or oh, yeah, pork that's rinds. Nasty. Have you tried the, what is it called, the fathead dough? Uh, no. It's okay. I mean, it'll get you through in a pinch if you just really, really, really need pizza. Look it up. I mean, it's, you might give um, it a try. I'm not a f- huge fan of it, but I have eaten it before, like the cauliflower pizza. But the stuff okay. in the daggum uh, 
in the uh, in the frozen food section, uh-huh. they call it oh, it's keto. Oh, it's uh, it's cauliflower pizza. It is not anywhere near keto. Not no. what it should be. No. If I can't eat, a, a, you know, it said a quarter, a quarter, a quarter. What is it? A quarter slice or a quarter, uh, a, a quarter of this pizza is X amount of uh, carbs. Well, that just blew my entire diet out the out of exactly. the water today. That is not keto. Yeah, I mean, and who eats a quarter of a pizza? I mean, newsflash. My I don't. point exactly. I'm telling you, I can't wait to go and get some good pizza when all this is done and over with. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's that's my go-to place. I love that. You know, anytime we're we're down there and we get a chance to, or a hankering for upper crust, that's where we go. That sounds really good. Yeah, I'm telling you, it is. Any you can't go wrong with pretty much anything that they make there. It's it's hands down one of the best pizzas I've ever had. Um, but I do highly suggest for those who are local, if you're going, go to Beaufort. They also have one uh, out near Hilton Head, uh, Bluffton area. I, we've eaten at that one, too. It's just not as good as the one in Beaufort. The one in Beaufort is hands down just so much better. Well, next time I'm in the area, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. There you go. <laughs> um, well, that's going to do it, ladies and gentlemen, for this episode of the Southern Spectre Podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. I think me and Lexi had a great time putting this show together. Um, kind of shows uh, both sides of the aisle here of what is local to her versus what's local to me. And I think the show came together quite nicely. And um, just, you know, I learned a lot today. Uh, kind of got spooked a couple of times and I enjoyed Ooh. it. Um, Got those good creepy vibes running oh, yeah. through me right now. And so we we hope you enjoyed this episode because we enjoyed putting it together for you. Don't forget to follow us on social media, on Facebook, at the Southern Spectre Podcast. You can also find us on Instagram, at the Southern Spectre. And uh, like I said earlier in the show, be sure to leave us a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, if you look down in the show notes below, you should be able to see a little link that says leave a voice message. Uh, just click that link, leave us a message. We'd love to hear it and play it here on the show. If you have your own ghost story, shoot it to the Southern Inspector podcast at gmail.com. Uh, I've been your host, Isaiah. And this is Lexi. Stay spooky. Talk to you next Stay time. Stay spooky, everyone. Bye. Bye.